All right, welcome back to the Movie Babble podcast. This week, you've got all three of us, Nick, myself, and Brennan. We're all here talking about movies. Uh, so there's been a new streaming service, which is nice because we don't pay for enough of those already, uh, as well as some other Netflix announcements and the movies we've been watching recently. Unfortunately, we didn't have as many new releases as we did last week with The Old Guard and Palm Springs and Relic and First Cow and why everybody decided to release everything on the weekend of <laughs> July 10th. I don't know. Uh, but this week's a little bit quieter. So kind of the biggest thing is probably Peacock, which went live on the 15th. Um, and that is NBC universal streaming service that I think actually has a pretty strong launch category, especially if you're talking stuff that's not necessarily kind of first run recent stuff like Netflix or Hulu tend to have. I think the back catalog on Peacock is kind of what's the most impressive thing to me right now. Yeah. And you, you made a joke about it, like the, all the streaming services we pay for, but this one is free if you want it, which I think is really, really smart. I mean, you have like the premium version and then you have the premium ad free version, which is like a max of like $10, but like you get like most of the catalog. It's like 60, 70% of the free for the free version. Um, so from my perspective, I'm kind of just like, sure, I'll take more free things. Like, this is fine. I don't really know. I don't really care how poorly constructed it is or how bad the app is. It's just like free is free, you know? And I feel like <laughs> we're all looking for things to watch at this moment. We're in, what, month four of quarantine? So I'm I'm here for it. Peacock, weird name. Not as bad as Quibi, though. But um, it's here, <laughs> and I, I don't hate it. Yeah, so this isn't. Uh, elsewhere outside of the United States yet, so I'm still going to be waiting for it. But we talked a little bit about some of the uh, library before we jumped on. And, uh, I mean, it does sound pretty good. Um, this is a streaming service I'll definitely look at whenever uh, that time comes. But they have no dates released yet for international uh, release, so I'll still be waiting. Yeah, and I think it's they, – they were kind of off to a weird start with kind of, like you said, issues with the app. Um, but I think like the catalog is really impressive, especially because they cover a lot of TV and I think they're probably the most competitive um, in terms of like a widespread of TV content. Like I saw stuff all the way back to like the 60s TV show wise to stuff from the 70s, 80s, 90s current run stuff, uh, which I think was really impressive. And then they had a they don't have just a massive movie library, but I think the quality of movies they had compared to quantity was like high quality movies you movies that you'd actually want to you know use a service to go watch um they had quite a spread of hitchcock and a lot of the old universal monster stuff um they have shrek on there which i mean how can you compete with that <laughs> netflix is here repping despicable me for the hundredth week but peacock week one had shrek so i really don't see anybody else competing with them for a while <laughs> and the thing i do like about peacock is that I think it's it is like the one streaming service that really stresses TV. And like you mentioned, like just the crazy back catalog that it has, but it also it's also really into its live TV. Like you can watch like soccer matches on there if you want. I know they'll have golf tournaments on there at some point too, which uh, interests someone like me who is just a fifty year old in disguise who really loves golf. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're gonna have, they're gonna have like NFL games on there too at some point. Like I think that's like the one thing that we've kind of all been missing in the streaming space. Like I feel like for most people who are still holding on to cable, like the few things that they have left are just, just they, they want to watch live sports. They want to watch ESPN. They want to watch football on Sundays. They want to watch basketball, all these things. So I feel like Peacock kind of focusing in on live TV 
is actually really, really smart for them and kind of like distinguishes them from the 10,000 streaming services that we have already because they're out here trying to do something a little different. And, and, and especially with, with their free stuff, like you can watch most of their live TV with a free subscription. So I think that's really smart by them. And then a lot of the other stuff is just over the top that you pay for. But um, I think they're, I still don't love the name. Peacock is stupid. Like I get it. It's like, a, like I get it. It's their logo and sure it's fine, but like, it's still kind of dumb, but I think they're in a really good place at the start. I mean, they don't have the Samsung TV app, which is really annoying. And um, I don't feel like watching it on my phone yet, um, but I'm sure that'll get straightened out. And I feel like it's kind of in a good place from the start. Yeah. And I think they're competing a lot like Hulu did back when Hulu launched, like, man, like 13 years ago. Uh, well, probably not that long ago, but 10, 10 years ago, <laughs> at least um, when it was, I mean, Hulu was free originally and it was, oh, you can watch like all this first run stuff. Um, it was mainly like TV back then with ads. And I think, uh, you know, because NBC kind of used that for shows like Parks and Rec and The Office and stuff that like was there when people stopped watching live TV and started watching things on like TiVo. Remember TiVo? <laughs> uh, where you had to record things and you had to delete stuff because you didn't have enough space. Um, but when when people kind of switched to watching things on the internet, Hulu was kind of there and they kind of moved away from that model. And I think people have been looking for something to kind of fill that void. Um, and Peacock is here. And I think you know, obviously it's a little early to kind of deliver a verdict on it, but I'm pretty impressed with it so far. Yeah, and I like the design of it too. I think that it seems pretty reasonable to kind of go around and like find things. Um, but I, it just seems like this is what CBS All Access should have been. Like, no one has that at all. Like, I guess there's like a few Trekkies out there who want to watch their 10,000 Star Trek shows that they have on CBS All Access. But I feel like this is exactly what they should have been kind of just free version. You can watch our live TV because they're one of the big live TV like channels that are still left out there. And I, I feel like this is just more confirmation that they've really dropped the ball because I don't really <laughs> – you have Peacock now. I just think it's just far superior to everything that CBS All Access has. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to use it. I'm, I'm of the idea that free stuff is good for me. I like that. <laughs> so uh, I don't think I'll ever buy, like, the premium or the premium ad free just because I just have so many other things that I'm paying for. But – I think this is just smart for them because they can just have someone like me who might use it like every few weeks and just jump on, watch, do the right thing and move on with my life. I think it's really smart by them. Look at the bottom line, just uh, to debut with uh, the Shrek films. That's a, that's, that's the seller. (laughs) That is, that is the biggest flex uh, that any service has. Um, But (laughs) I think for me, especially um, just kind of want to touch on something you said, Nick, like the menu and how you navigate Peacock is so much better than so many of the other streaming services. Like, I think everybody pretty much universally agrees that Netflix is the easiest to navigate, just like menu wise. Um, Hulu has always been a chaotic mess, just trying to search for anything. I think Amazon is really chaotic from the design standpoint as well. But like, Peacock was easy to find things I actually wanted to watch without having to jump through like 20 different menus. Um, so, I, I, again, I'm impressed with Peacock. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is that they're pretty much last into the marketplace. Like, I don't think there is anything else on the horizon that I can think of unless Quibi wants to relaunch something in the near future. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think there's anything else coming after this. So I think, you like, you, you typically don't want to be, like, behind in this kind of, like, ever-changing landscape. But 
I feel like with how they launched, I feel like it's, yeah, you have like your tech issues aside, but it was really easy to sign up, like much easier than HBO Max was. That was just a nightmare for me a few weeks ago to figure that out. But for what they've done, I think it's it's kind of like a best case scenario, really. Like you probably wanted, would have wanted to like come out like a year or two before this, but I think they took that into consideration with like the pricing and all that. And I think it's, I it just makes, this just makes a little too much sense to me. I'm wondering like kind of like where like I'm missing like something bad in here, but it just looks really good. Yeah, I think one thing that's really going to help it in the long run, and I saw a comparison of uh, Netflix. I think it was uh, one of the CEOs or one of the higher ups talking about how, you know, Disney Plus, yeah, you do have a Hamilton that will drop, you know, once every six months, but Netflix always has that constant stream of content coming in. And I think with Peacock, especially with the fact that, you know, it's pulling a lot of content directly from NBC's TV lineup, like Peacock will always have this constant stream of at least television coming in that I think will keep people engaged with it um, and using it in the long run. So it doesn't end up like Quibi and lose 80% of its subscribers in the first three months. (laughs) Poor Quibi. Yeah, I think... I, the more I think about it, it was probably they wanted to release it this year, kind of, because right now would be when the Olympics is kind of, like, rearing its head and, like, becoming, like, a thing, like, right around this time of the summer. So, obviously, that's next year. So, that's they probably wanted to time it right around that. But, um, yeah, like, next year when we actually do have an Olympics, like, <laughs> fingers crossed, hopefully everything is back to normal. But, uh, like, yeah, like, Peacock, like, I'm sure they'll find a surge in subscribers. And I... I think it's really smart because NBC is just has so many rights in live TV that they're kind of leaning into what they do really well. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think they're watch out for them in the future when we figure out all these live TV rights and how they work out with streaming and whatnot. But I think they're, they've positioned themselves really nicely here. Yeah. I think one thing we've forgotten to mention is the Nick cage collection that they also have (laughs) on Peacock and they have just like a ton of, He's like Redbox straight to DVD movies, uh, which <laughs> makes up so much of their category or so much of their catalog and just like the worst Photoshop posters you've ever seen. Um, and I'm looking at some of these right now and it's just incredible. Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Oh, I'm in. I mean, <laughs> I'm so in. How can you get better than that? <laughs> yeah, the, the Nick Cage category just shows that they get it. Like they they know that. Like that that's just smart. That's a really smart setup there because that I mean he's got that cult following and it's just funny too to just have that. That that's a that they get it. You know? Yeah. And so what you're and what you're saying with all these mega sharks versus mecha Godzilla things is that they're basically taking Tubi's lane here. That's all Tubi is. <laughs> it's just like this weird shit that they've thrown in it. They'll have like occasionally they'll be like, Oh, the social network, this is cool, but then the rest is like Galactic Gator versus Mega Shark. 10 or something like that so hey good for them good for peacock i mean it may not be the best content but it's at least content that you know content that stands out we always need more content in this world then they then they they rounded out with you know like the entire hitchcock collection um and just it's all about checks and balances But yeah, that is that is Peacock. Um, I'm excited to uh, spend a little bit more time with it. I need to check out The Last Temptation of Christ and maybe send Marty some some death threats or something, just because that's what you're <laughs> supposed to do when you watch the movie. Um, 
and do the right thing. And and so there's there's some gems in there that I'm excited to get into uh, as they keep launching more apps within the next couple of weeks. American Psycho's on there, so it's it's got potential. Um, and then other than that, uh, that kind of wraps up Peacock. Uh, but Netflix uh, does not like to be outdone, and also announced their largest budgeted movie to date, uh, which is a Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans. Uh, film that they're going to star in. Uh, it's done by the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely. So the Captain America Avengers team is taming back up and bringing Ryan Gosling along. Um, and it's going to be a spy movie called The Gray Man. Again, it's a $200 million budget, which is just crazy, especially for a streaming service where you're not really going to get box office returns. And, you know, they make their money back a lot differently but it is the russo brothers and they are pretty bankable right now so it's it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on this is a crazy move just to uh bring bring ryan gosling back out of the uh back out of the woods because he's been gone for a while (laughs) first man was the last thing we saw him in and i mean when you think about it two years may not seem like a while but in, in the in the film industry it's a decent little bit and i know that he has that one uh, movie, I, I think it may be called The Werewolf uh, coming at some point, but this is the only other thing I've heard of for him on the horizon. Yeah, and I feel like like Netflix is all in on the Russo brothers, like the we had Extraction like a few weeks ago, whenever that was, which is apparently like one of the most watched things in Netflix history, which is kind of weird, but hey, like good for them, I guess. And so it seems like I don't know if there's like a first look deal in all of this or whatever, like the contract isn't in it all, but Netflix is just like, Hey, Russo brothers, what do you got? And they're like, well, since you ask, like we have this, we have this spy movie that it may or may not cost $200 million, but we will have Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. So um, that sounds pretty good. Doesn't it? And they're like, yeah, fine. Cause we have so much money. Um, so it seems interesting. I don't know. Like, I don't really, you read the synopsis. It just seems kind of like, it's like a duel between two killers and Ryan, like Chris Evans is hunting down Ryan Gosling, which sounds kind of fun, but it's like, I don't really see where $200 million are in like there. Does like one of them have like Wolverine powers or something like, <laughs> like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and why it's so expensive. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a big move, but especially when you look at like some of their bigger budget stuff has done pretty well recently. Um, kind of like talking about extraction, which I think blew up for about a month and then just kind of dropped down a little bit. Uh, but then like the old guard, which has set a ton of records for them in the past couple of weeks. Um, so I'm not surprised. And Netflix has been pretty adamant about just pumping out as much content as they can. And if big budget stuff is what's keeping people on Netflix, I would imagine we'll see more riskier moves like that. Yeah, and I think they've finally figured out like their blockbuster, maybe not formula, but how they produce them. Because remember, remember Bright, like all oh, like yeah, that, and then you had like all these other just terrible, like somewhat big budget movies that they tried to release. But I feel like they just didn't really know how to like shepherd those projects and i think it does take a few years for them to like actually like figure this out as a production company and it seems like they they do have it figured out now and they they are kind of dipping their toes more into more just crazy budgeted movies and it makes a lot of sense for them because like the old guard would have been some kind of like big release by whatever other studio in the summer if it wasn't on netflix and they're just taking up more stuff and they're paying more people just more money than 
like Universal would give them. That's probably why this movie costs so much. Because <laughs> like any other studio would be like, all right, you get 120 million, but then Netflix is like, no, hold my beer. Here's 200 million for your movie. Uh, so they seem to be kind of rearing into form and kind of like, I don't really like, we never know how much money they have or like how many people are watching what I still don't trust the numbers they point, they point out, but um, they're, they seems like they are really chugging along at a pace that other streaming services can't like kind of keep up with. Uh, this is, yeah, this is just overall a great move. I mean, they are such a diverse um, studio as well. Like it, just, just now at this point we look at, where Netflix has gone. I mean, they have all their awful films, but they really have diversified in the last few years. The Adam Sandler deal was big. I mean, he's got his audience, right? Um, now you have a few blockbusters here in Extraction, The Old Guard even, and now this. Um, the Irishman, a big budget a Marty movie. Um, they also have, obviously, the films coming up this year, uh, the Charlie Kaufman film, um, the David Fincher movie earlier on, the Spike Lee film. Um, they are a very diverse studio and this is just another example of that and they're staying winning. And I think, you know, they made that big deal with, uh, Dan and Dave, the guys behind game of Thrones. Um, that was like a $200 million deal, uh, for a bunch of first look stuff. So they're definitely kind of figuring out more what they want to do and throwing as much money as they possibly can at it. I didn't realize you were on a first name basis with Benioff and Weiss. It's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I couldn't remember because there, there's like, there's a ton of nicknames and I didn't want to, you know, smear them. Uh, right. you know, I, I think they did horrible work on the final season of Game of Thrones, but I'm not going to hold that against them personally. And they also wrote Gemini Man. So good, good for them. Uh, you're right. You know what? <laughs> Maybe they deserve it. <laughs> um, yeah. So Netflix is big in case you guys weren't aware. Um, they they make movies. They put movies out. Uh, they're they're kind of a big deal right now. Um, yeah, and then doing, they have had the <laughs> they have had pretty good continued success with the old guard, uh, which was not quite leading the top ten, uh, but was pretty close to it in the number two spot. Uh, Netflix's Fatal Affair was in the number one spot this week, uh, followed by the Lorax, which I, I don't think I've seen it this high. Um, at least not higher than Despicable Me lately, but it's at the number three spot, followed by How Do You Know at number four, MILF at number five, Despicable Me, Always Reliable at number six, 365 Days at number seven, the F asterisk asterisk list, as it's uh, listed here, <laughs> as a uh, number eight, um, and then Desperados at number nine, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse at number 10. Uh, so lots of animated movies as usual, um, but... The Old Guard has been dethroned by Fatal Fair, which is another Netflix original about a cat and mouse game by a lawyer and somebody who's obsessed with her. I have not seen it, um, but I understand that a lot of people of Netflix are watching it. Kill me Guy. now. Guys, I watch this movie and I hate my life. I, I do it for the content for this podcast that I watch this movie because I wouldn't have otherwise, and it's just not fun at all. It's just very, not... very rough watch. But I watched it about twelve hours ago, actually. Yeah, it's it's not like so. It's kind of in the like it's like every single like guy or girl from Hell movie that you've ever seen in your life. Like there's like they literally do nothing different. Like there's just like like the main actress is played by Nia Long, and the crazy guy is played by Omar Epps. Like remember Omar Epps? He's some he's someone that was big like a, two decades ago, but. Um, 
basically it's just like they're like he's obsessed with her and that's the movie and it does all the things that like you've seen in all of these movies where like he's conveniently a hacker so he can just get into all of her phones and whatnot and play with all her technology and like kind of like smear her a little bit and then like he's just like coming over to her house and he's telling her like no like you can't do that like leave me alone <laughs> and then that's basically the movie and it's never funny en- enough where it's like really can't be and fun to watch in that way and it's obviously just not well made enough to like watch from that perspective so um i don't really understand why people are like obsessed with this i feel like there's like a weird like omar epps stan like group on Netflix. Cause remember that movie like that was always in the top 10. It was like 30, 22. Like he was in that one as well. Like for some reason, people like the bargain bin Omar Epps movies. I don't know why I, I need to do more research on this, but uh, yeah, I don't really get why people are loving this movie so much. Oh, it's rough. I mean, it's, it's not good at all. And uh, like the, the motivations behind his character throughout the film are just so questionable. Like I, I don't get it. Like, the movie is just like, hey, he's crazy. And you're like, you're supposed to be like, oh, okay, that's good enough for me. And then, <laughs> then the, the stuff happens. But I don't know. I will say there was one really funny part in this movie. And it's totally like the movie was not like trying this at all. But when they're actually they're like when they were talking in lawyer lingo, I thought it was like the funniest thing ever. Because like they just like mm-hmm. throw in like lawyer buzzwords like every two words to make it sound like they did their research. <laughs> so like they'll, they'll be going back and forth and being like, Oh yes. Did you uh, get a chance to add the affidavit to the brief and the admissible evidence after the deposition in court with the jury? Like they just keep throwing like all these words in and it's, it was so, so funny to me. I don't know why, but besides that, um, Omar Epps dances for like a two minutes, like two minutes or something. That was kind of funny, but yeah, besides that, like, I don't really know, like anything in here is worth watching Deborah (laughs) (laughs) I take it back Deborah (laughs) I I was sitting there that happened I'm like and then 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 the uh, the lady sitting with Omar Epps is sitting with she's like who's Deborah he's like uh (laughs) and you don't really learn too much about it (laughs) wasn't he like like the wasn't she the ex-wife is that what it was I can't remember this movie Oh my gosh, I forgot about the Deborah. You're right. You're right, Brennan. <laughs> I was like, I was watching it pretty much just like out. I was like, I wasn't tired. I was just kind of, I was just, I feel like I was an autopilot, like Adam Sandler in Click watching this movie. And then uh, all I hear is Deborah and I'm, I'm back into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And I like, I don't like, it's called Fatal Affair, but like, it's weird. Like they just like kiss for a second and then Mia Long, she's like, I can't do this. And then she leaves. Like, it's not really like an affair. So like, even like the title is wrong. Like, I don't know, like this movie. Yeah. Besides for Deborah, like there, it's just like 89 minutes of like cobbled together stuff that you've seen in every other bad, like erotic thriller. Like, it's just like, Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't get why people are watching this. It makes no sense. That's the thing though. I mean, it's less than 90 minutes factor in credits this is like an 85 minute movie so like it it's not the end of the world to pop it on and experience it um but it's not good at all and uh yeah it's it's calling give it a try though <laughs> i uh, i don't know i have a lot of uh quibbies to get through so <laughs> really eating into my tv time the most dangerous man is really is really interesting <laughs> to you <laughs> uh you know me i just I don't like to watch a full story, you know, I like to, to break it up, 
you know, if I watch <laughs> the Irishman in Quibi format, it might take me a year, but I will have enjoyed it so much more. <laughs> I kind of want to see that now. <laughs> be like 5,000 episodes. <laughs> That'll be my, my next project. <laughs> Doing the Irishman in 10 minute segments. <laughs> Incredible. Um, take, the, take my money. <laughs> But yeah, that's the the Netflix top 10. It's always nice to see Into the Spider-Verse up there uh, as we bide our time till the next one. Um, But that is pretty much what's going on with Netflix. Um, I didn't do a ton of Netflixing this week. I I did a little HBO Max and uh, did a little of my my own physical collection. But uh, yeah, what have you guys been watching? Um, So since we are all... Uh, Safety Brothers stands here on this podcast and Uncut Gems is the greatest thing ever. Um, I took a look at one of their documentaries that they made before A24 made them like the biggest thing ever in, for film Twitter. Um, so the documentary is Lenny Cook, which was made in 2013, I think. But um, this one is this one speaks to me because I used to play uh, basketball. I was on the AAU circuit and I was playing against like a lot of guys who were like tapped to like go places and so Lenny Cook was at one point like he was a New York basketball legend and he was like once like ranked above like LeBron and Carmelo Anthony like in high school rankings like he was supposed to be like the next big thing um and this documentary is like a lot of it's just like him like this camera crew just like falling around as he's like gearing up to like announce like he's going to the pros like after he finishes high school um and it's just I mean, you guys, like, Lenny Cook isn't, like, a household name. Like, he's, like, clearly, like, things did not work out for him. And it's so depressing to just watch, like, this sad fall of this guy who was, like, tapped to be, like, the next great thing. And, like, there's all these people around him who are, like, pumping him up and saying, like, you're going to be so great. And there's, like, this really sleazy agent who's, like, yeah, I talked to, like, three teams earlier today. Uh, Like, they all want you. And, like, it's really, really sad because he had to... He was like a, he was a year older. He was 19 when he finished high school, which isn't all too uncommon for a lot of basketball players. But in he was playing in New Jersey, and they wouldn't allow him to just play anymore. So he kind of just had to take a year off. Um, and in that time, like he just like fell through draft boards. No one really cared. And um, yeah, it's it's a really it's a real real bummer of this movie. Um, the the, the Safties got involved later on down the road. Like they actually got involved after like like he was done playing basketball. So that makes it even sadder when you realize that this documentary was the entire thing was filmed like with like the prospects of Lenny cook becoming something. Um, so, and they came involved and like shot stuff later on and then edited the whole thing together. But um, yeah, it's really terrific. I think this is like, this is right up there with Uncut gems for me. Like I really love this movie. Um, it's available on criterion, but yeah, it is just, it is just so, so sad. It's really good fly on the wall documentary. Yeah, this is neat. I, when I saw you write down that you were going to talk about that today, I like the the name of the film kind of like like I recognize the name, and uh, that that's a definitely a neat topic to look at. And it's neat that the, I mean it shows even more that they just they're they're huge basketball fans. Yeah, like you, it's really funny when you hear like uh, the Safties like in any conversation, like they're talking about uncut gems, and they somehow bring it around to talking about the New York Knicks. Like they are just they are they love basketball. They are so New York, and like this movie is like so on brand for them. Um, but yeah, like it is 
it is really interesting because like they have like footage of him in all these like really high profile basketball camps and there's like a really there's a really uh famous uh game where he played against lebron in um in this in this uh, camp and he like this was like the moment where everyone was like oh yeah lebron is just way better than this guy um but yeah it's like so sad like he like he's like friends with all of like these nba players like like he's really good friends with uh Joe Kim Noah, who was big with the Bulls for a few years there. Um, but yeah, it is just, it is like, they clearly like have so much interest in this and it's just, oh my gosh, it's so sad. It's like one of the biggest cautionary tales you'll see just cause um, like I, when I played basketball, it was just like, oh yeah, that guy's probably going to turn into something. Like he was really, really good. And then like you see down later on the road and it's like, no, not really. Um, and it just shows like you have to be like in the top, like 1% of the 1% to even have a chance. And this, it's just, man, it's rough. Uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't, if you're looking for something happy, like this movie is not it. It's very much a bummer, but it's really, really good. I loved it. Good to know. Yeah, I'm always down for some safties. <laughs> um, me, uh, this past week, I watched a lot. I watched uh, my first David Lynch movie. I watched uh, Lost Highway. Um, I watched... Uh, I also watched Tropic Thunder for the first time, believe it or not. Um, that was funny. Great, great time with that. But the one I want to point out real quick is uh, Catherine Bigelow's Point Break from 1991, starring Patrick Swayze and uh, Keanu Reeves. This, for me, like, I, I didn't really know too much about it going into it. I knew that it had a decent uh, following. I knew Johnny Utah. That's pretty much it. And uh, this is like, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but this is like one of the better I think B movies I think I've seen because I think it embodies like, like it has good action. It, it's funny, but it's so cheesy at the same time and in, in, in all the best ways. I am an FBI agent. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's oh even better than Deborah. I love this movie so much. <laughs> it's so No, good. this was, it, it's hilarious. And I mean, I, I think like, for me, it, it kind of um, it got a little tired near the end, but I mean, it was it was it was still a fun time, and I just love the um, it, there's kind of like this primal instinct about the film that that you don't really see in most action movies, uh, like like Catherine Bigelow. I think that she taps into something here. Like the focus is on pushing the person. Like this isn't a, a deep film by any means, but the focus of the movie is is what are your limits? How far are you willing to go? What like like, what are you going to get pushed to? Like, like, do you want to feel that adrenaline? You know, and it's it's a funny movie though, and it's a good time. They got Gary Busey in there too. It's just mm -hmm. it's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's incredible stuff. Just everyone just throwing a hundred miles an hour, and it. it's just uh, I love it. Good time. But is is it a better time than good time? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I mean, I have more fun watching it, sure, but uh, I mean, can't really compare. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely less acid being shoved down someone's throat in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't seen Point Break. Um, I know that was like kind of where the world first began to acknowledge Keanu as an action star. Uh, but it's it's one of those that like at this point I don't know if I'll ever really go back and visit it unless you know I'm I'm desperate and I run out of quibbies. <laughs> but I accidentally went on a DiCaprio binge this past week. I started uh, really like a pretty good 
uh, range of directors. I started with uh, DiCaprio and Scorsese, watched The Departed. I did Catch Me If You Can with him and Spielberg. Uh, when Spielberg was going through his Tom phase, where he only made movies with either Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise, uh, which I think is probably my favorite uh, generation of Spielberg. But uh, besides that, I uh, I then went and watched Inception, which was probably my first time watching it in probably like five or six years. And I don't understand why people are still debating the top at the end of the movie. Um, I really don't think people that debate that part of the movie really paid attention to the movie at all. Um, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because it's just, what a fun watch. Uh, just a great time. What a picture. <laughs> what a picture. Which of those is your favorite? Um, out of all four of those, uh, definitely Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then probably The Departed. Probably Inception would honestly be at the bottom of the list. And then Catch Me If You Can, down the number three spot. But uh, I, I do love me some Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think this is my third time seeing it since it came out last year. I'm going <laughs> to give that like, a rewatch soon, for sure. I feel like after the Safis, like, that's like the the next thing that we stand on this podcast. Can we confirm that? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's it's a movie that like every time I've seen it, my opinion of it's gone up. So like I originally, I think I had it like at the bottom of my top 10. Um, and I watched it like in December, I think, and it just like jumped up. I think it ended at like number three or number four for the year for me. And then just watching it again last night, I was like, man, I, I haven't appreciated this movie is not enough. Like last <laughs> night was when I really like paid attention to everything he was doing with Sharon Tate and Margot Robbie and just like really began to appreciate all that part of the movie because I, I think it's easy to get distracted by what's going on with Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth that you're like. I don't really want to watch Margot watch a movie. I want to see, I want to see Manson family members get punched. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I appreciate it a little bit more every time. I've weirdly watched this like four times now since it came out. I saw it twice in theaters and then I showed it to a buddy in January and then I watched it just like, I think in, um, and again in January, like a week after that, I just, cause I, I got the DVD set and then I, got the digital code from that put it on my computer i was just kind of sitting around one day and i just put it on to watch the first like 10 minutes and then i just watched the whole thing um but i feel like it's a it's a real summer movie like yeah i think it'll be perfect for august to give it a in the dog days of august to give it a a fifth watch yeah i i really 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 love this movie um i i agree with i agree with colin like about the margot robbie stuff like i actually think that was like maybe my favorite section of the movie like i love that stuff so so much i think margot robbie is just just acting like that's probably like her best acting like work that she's done from from my perspective i think she's so great with like all the like all, all the noise about like how like like limited dialogue she has it's like no like she doesn't need all that like she's doing she's telling so much without it um, oh my gosh i think she's so good there but yeah, I think it's time I give this one a rewatch soon. I saw it twice in theaters, but I don't think I've seen it since, I don't think. Yeah, I think like it does a really good job of framing her as her own person outside of cuz like, you know, back back in the day like Roman Polanski uh before he kind of became the shittiest person uh was like was one of the hottest directors in Hollywood. Um and so like back in the day, she was his wife um more so than she was even a movie star at the time and then obviously she's kind of gone down in history as is unfortunately being part of such a 
gory chapter of the Manson family history. And I think like Tarantino really just gives her her own space. Um, and just, it's just so sweet and kind of presents her as just kind of this wide-eyed starlet, just enjoying Hollywood and kind of enjoying the, the life that she has without, you know, any of that other interference or the other labels. Yeah. And she's just like, like when she picks up the the hitchhiker, the hitchhiker, it's like, man, she's just so nice. Like she's such a just like a great person, and I think that's like, I think it's like some of like the best. Like we, they talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood being like the most sentimental Tarantino movie, and I would agree with that. But like within this movie, I think that's just like like some of the most like heartwarming stuff like he's made as a director. I think it's so so good. Yeah, there's nothing. There, you're right. Nothing tops that. But uh, yeah, I didn't like Inception as much as I remember having liked it before, um, which I, I don't know. I, I've never been just a huge Nolan bro. Um, I feel like he's what Tarantino was like 10 years ago where like every film student was like, yeah, I, uh, I just checked out this movie. Uh, it's director. I don't know if you've heard of him, Christopher Nolan. He's kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like his movies. Like I haven't seen anything of his that I haven't enjoyed. Uh, but I just I didn't feel it for Inception watching it last night. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I don't I think I was the same mode where like I saw this like this well, it's ten years old just celebrated its, its anniversary. But so I saw it when I was like right in like the very impressionable like thirteen fourteen years old something like that, and I and I like felt like I was like nuts over it. And I've watched it like every time I've watched it since I just like it less. Um, I don't know like I. I would still probably recommend it. Like, I just think it's so inventive and it's literally like changed movies. But just like you look at the film score, like that, like the inception score for all the bomb jokes, like it literally changed how we score movies since. But um, I just think it's like all exposition, like the entire time, like they're always like trying to explain more about what's going on. And then I still feel like I don't really quite understand like all the rules of everything. Cause like they go to, they go to limbo and they're like, you'll never get out of there. And then it's like, Oh, it turns out you just have to like jump off a building and you're fine and you're bad. It's everything's back to normal. So like, I don't know, like it's one of those movies where I don't, I don't like how Nolan writes romance. I think every time he tries to act like an actual person with feelings, like his movies are really bad. Um, so I don't, I don't believe the relationship at all between um, Maul and whatever, uh, DiCaprio's character's name is. He's basically just Christopher Nolan. But um, yeah, I I don't know. It's such a mi- mixed bag for me, but I think there's just so much inventiveness in it that I I do appreciate it. But yeah, I am. This is not one for like the the Nolan bro corner for me. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I almost feel like some of my complaints with the movie feel like studio notes. Because uh, it like it's hard to think of Nolan is not like the biggest guy who can like he's literally kind of saying and telling the studios when his movie is going to release and like it's it's hard to picture him as not being the guy that has kind of all that power. Um, but yeah, I mean, Inception was ten years ago. He was off the Dark Knight at the time, but this was like the movie that cemented him as like kind of one of the biggest guys in Hollywood. So I almost wonder uh, with Tenet coming out. It's kind of the spiritual successor to Inception. Like, will these problems still be persistent? Or now that the studio doesn't have as much say in a Nolan movie, will we kind of move away from that? Because it almost feels like in Inception, like there are these moments where it just slows down and like Christopher Nolan just literally like paint by numbers the story for the audience so that mainstream audiences will understand like what's going on. 
and I almost hope that Tenet is kind of absent, or those scenes are kind of absent in Tenet, uh, because he's got a little bit more power and is less susceptible to studio notes at this point. Yeah, who knows? Like, I think I think my big issue with him is that he just gets so like invested in the idea of his movies that like I feel like a lot of just the stuff around it's like kind of messy. Like, I think one of my big like points with Dunkirk was um, I don't really get why this movie is like shifting timelines. Like I like I've watched it I think once more since it was in theaters because everyone loved it and I was like eh it's fine I don't know. I watched it again and I still quite i don't understand why you it has like the three perspectives of like the land air and sea or whatever um i don't know i think he gets his his movies are a little too fussy for me and i don't understand why like it seems like he's just he wants to see something in a movie so he does it but he doesn't quite wrap it into like an emotional story i don't know um he just some of his movies just rub me the wrong way i like a lot of his like his older stuff I'm a fan of Dunkirk. I don't love it in terms of Nolan movies, but I do like it. I think it's well made on a technical level. I think it's pretty perfect. Um, but I don't, I, I don't love the film. But it's weird. That's that's probably his most acclaimed film across, um, uh, just in terms of film critics and 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 kind of those bodies and stuff like that. Like it's it's a movie that's like Metacritic wise, it's like mid nineties or something like that. It, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really no arguing that he is just kind of massively successful. And, and I think I, I don't think he has a single bad movie, um, at least from everything I've seen, which is most of his career. Um, but I just I just don't connect with it kind of like I see a lot of a lot of audiences doing. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Um, I, I feel the same way where it's like there's something like withholding from a lot of his movies that I watch. Um I would like to rewatch uh, Following, which was the, his first movie that he made, like over like four or five years or something like that. Um, it was just, I I watched it probably like five years ago or something like that, and I really liked it. But I'd like to return to that one. But um, yeah, he I, I I hope the best for Tenet because it looks it looks neat. But there's just always that, like that little thing where I'm not as crazy about a lot of his movies as other people are. So I don't know. Yeah, I. I hope that that Tenet works out. Um, I'm excited for it. It seems interesting, even if it might be a little crazy, over-explained like Inception was. It should still be good, hopefully. I mean, you've got Pattinson and John David Washington and the usual Nolan gang is all there, so I'm I'm holding out hope for it. Yeah, and plus Warner Brothers let him like explode like an actual jet for the movie which is just like sure like why not like he's probably the only dude who can like make that happen at this point uh, so why not yeah i feel like he's on a level that like it's just him and tarantino and they can kind of do whatever they want like with once upon a time in hollywood tarantino was making studio execs come to his house to read the script i feel like there's only one other guy that can do that and that's nolan <laughs> Yeah, I love that stuff with Tarantino where he's just like, yeah, like you all come to me, read my script. You have like an hour to do it or whatever. And then I get to keep like the ultimate like licensing rights to my films because I'm Tarantino and you will give me like, like he was like, I think I need he told studio execs where he's like, I need exactly ninety seven million dollars to get this movie done. <laughs> and there will be <laughs> there will be no arguing whatsoever. That's just the money I'm getting. <laughs> and then eventually nice. and then Sony was just like, you know what, you're right. Here's your money. Go ahead. Uh what a guy. What a picture. Uh 
but yeah, that that uh, pretty much sums up what's going on with movies right now. Um, we, we may or may not have movies coming out in the next couple of weeks as stuff starts to get pushed back again. Uh, I think we are going to see New Mutants lose another release date uh, because that's just kind of what they do at this point. Um, and then there's been talk of even Tenet getting pushed back to possibly like November or December. Um, so it's it's a crazy time, but we'll be watching stuff on our own, and we will talk at you next week. Remember, you can always check us out online at moviebabble.com. Bye.